and welcome to HopSack, a beer podcast with an EcoSack problem. I'm your host, Evan, and I'm here today with Leigh. What's up, Leigh? Hey, how's it going, Evan? Good. Good to have you here. Ah, thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, if you want, you can tell us a little bit who, who Leigh is and how involved or not Leigh is involved in InfoSec. Oh, yeah, I'm definitely uh, involved with the InfoSec, and I definitely have a side of a beer problem, or is the exact opposite, I <laughs> forget. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I drink beer and I have a problem with InfoSec. Uh, InfoSec for probably about, let's say, 15 plus years, about half my life. Um, and then beer drinking, you know, ever since I was 21, 22. Uh, that's pretty much the most of my, my just to my backstory, the specific on InfoSec, I focus on web application security and, you know, those open source projects helping them out as well. It's a bit broad aspect of it all. Yeah. Um, yep. Been to DEF CON, you know, a number of years. Yeah. Yep. How, That's how I met how you. Craft beer. And craft beer, yeah. Uh, craft beer really kicked in for me. What got you started me. there? What? What, did, what got you started? Yeah, craft, craft beer, I got started, oh. I mean, like, I was in Southern California. It's kind of hard to not hit into craft beer when you're in Southern California. So I didn't really consider it hardcore, like, otaku craft beer fan until about, I want to say, five, six years ago, maybe seven. Uh, but uh, before that, obviously, you know, you, it's, it's hard to not drink a nice IPA in Southern California, anytime, any place you go. Uh, but yeah, I got into craft beer, especially with, um, from, originally from homebrewing, to tell you the truth. And McKellar opened the door because I was homebrewing, mostly because I wanted to try different types of beers to have that affinity and love for trying new things and making new things and new flavors and combinations. I was making habanero beers. And uh, the last beer I made was a, yeah, an oat habanero blonde, I think. Uh, super good, sweet and spicy. Uh, and the, uh, oh no, I messed it up. It's not an oat habanero blonde. It was oat habanero mango beer. Uh, much better than oat habanero blonde. But yeah, the but I basically was running out of ingredients to buy from the store myself. And I ran into a few craft beer people, uh, specifically one of McKellar, who was making random beers, it seemed. He didn't have a set schedule of just making five flagship beers. He'd make, I don't know, you probably know how many beers he makes per year, different styles, hundreds, if not thousands. Uh, so it became, you know, the epitome of trying to, trying to taste them all. <laughs> yeah, I think I match you around to 2011, 2012. But we really didn't talk beer until, I don't know, 2015, 2016. Yeah. That, that became kind of like, oh, are you going to be here? Yeah, so I'm going to go to this conference. Great. Let's have good beers. Either yeah. bottle shares or bottle something else or go to breweries and beer pubs. So that, that, that's been fun. Um, but as part of the show, right, we, we talk about places that like, I like to focus like in beer bars or breweries of places that are in your neck of the woods. And you happen to live in a place that has a brewery or two. So you're in Colorado, right? Yeah, that's correct. Colorado. Yeah. Colorado now. Yeah. So yeah, there's, there's a definitely, there? definitely a few good breweries out here. Um, it's like towards the end of my, you know, craft beer experience. I feel like, you know, I've had most of the flavors nowadays, right? My, no, not, not, not like your untapped uh, collection, but I've got my couple thousand unique beers uh, recollected. And now out in Colorado, I stick to a lot of the uh, American wild styles and Brettanomyces uh, fermented beers, that funky, weird, like really, like you got to love it or otherwise you hate it type of sours, but not just the sour sours, right? Not sour pucker your face sour, but these are like complex, peppery, uh, weird beers, uh, epitome of which is like Orval, which is not from Colorado, but from Colorado, it's got, um, uh, I'm going to blank on the name, Crooked Stave, phenomenal beer place. Uh, they're not far. They're in Denver, and uh, as well as a taproom in Fort Collins, I believe. Uh, and they, I like that them a lot because their head brewer is actually like his master's thesis from what I've learned uh, was on the special uh, yeasts that were making these funky beers be funky. Uh, other ones in the area, I think there's, uh, I want to say it's like Black Project, uh, some sort of project name one. Yeah, Remember I think there's Black Project. Yeah, Black Project, they make fantastic ones. Mm -hmm. And up up north, I don't get up there very much, is the Funk Works, which is, they make kind of flagship, all funky sour beers, which are all fantastic. Have you heard of Casey? 
I have not. They're not that close from them from Denver, but they are in Colorado. Um, but it's I think I tried one of their beers a long time ago, and it's along the lines of what you were describing, like Brettanomyces, yeah. kind of funky beer, super good. Yeah, yeah. there's some there's some places that. I can't even remember the name of the shop or the brewery that made it, but it's apparently this place that's just in a um, strip mall and they, fo they focus on Oak wild ales that are all Oak aged basically. Um, and one of them they made was called strawberry champagne. And I, I only found that when I moved out here cause they don't distribute anywhere. It's one of those fun things about beer too. Unfortunate fun thing that, you know, traffic law, trafficking laws, right? Like transportation laws and beer limit where you could even experience one of your beers. So this is one, if you were in Colorado, you can find a bottle of strawberry champagne where you find the brewer that makes it. They, they're just a small shop that's just making delicious beer. And that's one of those bottles I highly recommend, which I think the next time we, we meet up, whenever that is, I'll probably, that's the, my go-to. I'm going to bring this with me because nobody else in the world has probably experienced what this fantastically funky light beer is. Nice. That's going to make me very happy, I guess. Yeah. They like those type of beers amongst yeah. others. So is this, you, you, we talked a little bit before uh, recording and stuff. So you said you're not drinking much beer lately, which is good from yeah. like, uh, but it's funny that you know so much about beer and some of like, as you said, maybe you haven't had a great number of beer. Well, it is a couple of thousands. It is a, <laughs> a great amount of beer, different beers. But um, like I, I, I learn beer by brute force, right? That's a little different. I'm not a homebrew. I try, I'm really bad at it. But I think I, I, I greatly appreciate people that brew because they have a different perspective. It's not like, oh, I like or I don't like. Obviously I can talk a little bit, oh, this, I think this is this type of hop or this one has different mices and whatnot. But not being a brewer or home brewer, I, mm. I, I cannot sometimes put together two and two there, right? Mm. Well, you, you learn the language, right? You can, you can taste, the, taste the words. You know, Brettanomyces, you know what it tastes like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but late, so despite these type of beers, any other type of beers that you, or breweries that you highly recommend, that you know about, or that you had their beers, and you're like, you know what? you're ever like in Denver or anywhere in Colorado you have to try this oh I can't I can't say to it's for that for Colorado yet because mostly when I did move here is when I kind of pulled back on my drinking and the yep. you know partying out I mean I, I still angle towards Crooked Stave honestly I'll, I'll go to their little shop uh, which is like in the weird strip mall place and have some fancy food at one place and walk over and have fancy beers the next yeah uh, that's pretty much my only real go-to and other than that, you know, I generally just avoid beer just because, you know, it's, it's not worth the uh, effort, I guess. Like, and the calories. <laughs> yeah, the calories, a lot of calories. I, I probably lost about 50 pounds just mostly cutting off beer. Yeah, that's, so. that's crazy. Yeah, I, 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 I haven't been drinking for the past week or so, like beer. And mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's crazy how, how much yeah. you lose. Yeah. Um, Still good times, though. I have no negativity looking back towards towards other beers that I was drinking. It's just physically, I'm you know, I got old. Yeah. <laughs> My body was started working differently. It's just started storing the beer for later use. Can't fight, yeah. Can't fight that unless you do something. Speaking well, of, you're drinking a beer, so I appreciate yeah. you drinking a beer for the show. Right. You're drinking. Yeah, yeah, I picked up a Bell's Two Hearted. So it's not Colorado. I'm sorry, I can't. But it's, it's almost Colorado. Oh, it's Michigan. I was yeah, going Michigan. through a magazine yesterday, and I think 2019. Two Hearted was rated number one beer. Yeah, it's a phenomenal beer. I remember finding it when I was in Joshua Tree. So I used yep. to live in the desert and, and I could find craft beer in the desert. This is at my, uh, you know, my otaku level, especially then. I was living in Joshua Tree and there is a market called Sam's Market, which has an advertisement outside that says, come into the beer cave. And it's, uh, I jokingly laughed at it. I imagined it was a pile of coors, like shaped like an igloo or something. Uh, considering it's California desert, that's what most people drink. But when I went in, it turns out that it's run by a family who don't really drink. Their son drinks uh, just a little bit. He says he doesn't, for religious purposes, he doesn't like to, to get drunk or inebriated. So uh, more respect to him because he also respects craft beer. And he says, oh, this one's good. This one's good. He's like, I only drink this much, like, you know, like a couple sips and then I throw out the rest. He's like, but I need to make sure I serve 
good beer to my customers. He's like, I want to, you know, be the craft beer spot here. And so it's, it's weird. It's off the beaten path in Joshua Tree, but it's highly recommended if you are in the California desert, it's the best place to get some, some good craft beer until the 29 Palms or Joshua Tree uh, brewery opens whenever that may be. Yeah, I remember you telling me about the store that you like recommend beers for the guy. And then you're like, he's like, yeah, if you're telling me this is good, I'll make sure I'll get some. And yeah. probably yeah. was the best hack that you had there, like in terms of getting good beer, because I guess that being like friends with one store in a small town that there's yeah. not like a lot of like distribution, or not distribution, but there's not a lot of bigger stores and stuff. Yeah. Um, might be easier to get some of the really good stuff or rare stuff than like being LA or Chicago or like yeah. Towns, right? yeah, because there's supply, they can at least get a, one case of something nice. He'd have Pliny every year, right? Pliny the Elder. He'd get it because he'd get a case and there's really only like four people out in the desert who were buying it. So That's there was enough to share yeah. as opposed to, you know, a BevMo in a central downtown area is going to be very quickly, you know, out of, out of shelf and they're going to have to put up the sign, sorry, no Pliny, don't ask. Yeah. <laughs> I saw that sign all the time. It's kind of like here in Chicago land is three Floyds, right? And they have, yeah. A, oh yeah. When the brew pub, well, they have the brew pub and they have the little like beer shack, like for beer to go. And they put a sign outside. Like if they have, if they don't have zombie dust, they say no zombie dust. Don't, don't come in. Don't ask because some people just go there and that's all, all they want. Zombie. Yep. But now yep. with the whole pandemic thing there, just, they have beers to go, but you have to like buy online and then, drive text they bring the beer to your car and you take it. it's not bad yes it, it yeah. works i think yeah or in that aspect the pandemic helped uh certain yeah. places to be more accessible um but i'm sure like some breweries are not too happy about about it because yeah the whole yeah the, you sell a lot more beers you sell a lot more beers to somebody after the second or third than if they're driving to you to pick up a case yeah I definitely, after my second or third beer, I'm, I'm pretty much wallets open and I'm just going to buy whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, what's the big store, like retail liquor store in Colorado? Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't, there's, there's some big ones. There's, there's Applejack I hear. There's a Tipsy's World, which is kind of like, you know, BevMo on crack. Uh, mm -hmm. I tend to avoid the BevMo's. A lot of it, since the, the liquor laws are different here than they were in California where I was living, definitely different than Taiwan, uh, they, there were liquor stores. Uh, they weren't only until this year, I think, able to sell alcohol or beer. Actually, they can only sell low alcohol beer at the stores now, and that's new. So they would always have a liquor store next to every supermarket, and most of those liquor stores are going to have good craft beer. Uh, one of the first things I did when I came out here was I ordered a case of Orval. I just asked the guy to or can you get me a all? I'm like, I just wanted a case, like 24 beers to the store. And I'm on my last one. And I'm sad because they finally started to turn to that delicious, like funky flavor. I'm like, ah, it took <laughs> like two, two or three years. It was kind of a bummer. Wow. Uh, That's one of those. You sometimes you save beer and yeah, you get to that point. Sometimes you save beer and they go bad, which is yeah. for different reasons. But well, I don't think any beers ever go bad. And I had this discussion a lot in Taiwan with my friends. Um, the people I met in Taiwan were like old, one of them was an old bar owner. Like he owned one of the local bars and he shut down. Uh, it's kind of funny. I went to his bar where I moved to Taipei and I go to his bar within the first month. And then I go to go like two weeks later. The first time I was there, I buy two bottles of Kention, right? Really nice, hard to find bottles, which is a surprising thing about Taiwan. You can get really good Belgian beers and European beers for good prices too. But I buy these two bottles of Cantillon from him and then I come back like two weeks later and it's gone. And then two weeks later at my other drinking spot where, where I was going was 11 Beer House, which is now shut, shuttered. But I run into the owner, the old owner of uh, Something Ales is what it was. That was the first place that had Cantillon. I meet him and we end up just exchanging stories and he remembered I was the guy that bought basically all of his Cantillon. <laughs> he only had two bottles. I'm like, I want these. And like, I just showed up, I took the bottles, I ran away, he never saw me again until I, I was at a bar. So we started talking and we ended up, you know, having lots of stories about, you know, uh, like Taipei and beer scene there. Uh, but yeah. Uh, so the two recommendations are gone. What else is left in Taipei for good beer? Because that's uh, a good segue I was going to ask you about. That's Taipei. a good one. Yeah. Taipei is really where I'm going to know the most. I mean, I spent almost two years living there and I, 
probably spent most of those two years drinking there every day. Um, that's when I got really into the running club just to uh, basically running every day to work off the beers I was drinking every day. Uh, I lived in an area near uh, the university, which is the An district and near Shida night market, if anybody knows Taipei, but it's in the central area. It's off the, off the subway, you know, the MRT lines, you can easily stop off any of these places and is a great, beer drinking city because you can just walk everywhere and it's really nice to not have to worry about drinking and driving you just kind of stumble through to the next bar where i lived there were i think about 40 coffee shops in this five square block area but there were also like five or six craft beer bars uh something ales closed right when i moved to taipei and sadly enough they reopened uh right when i left so Arvin, like, I can't drink with our, I got to drink with him before his bar opened. Like we got beers and bottles that we were drinking together in his bar before it was finished. But yeah, something else is a great one. Uh, he's basically, I consider the guy who owns that the like grandfather of beer of craft beer in Taipei and Taiwan, really. Uh, his family helps import beer and that's how he gets a lot of the connections, I think. But he's owned a few bars over the years and he's always focused on the craft beer. Uh, a lot of good Belgian beers and he's traveled the whole world experiencing them. Uh, 11 shut down. Um, 23 is another great one. 23 beer is, uh, I think they have two locations now. Uh, one of them was in my neighborhood. And so I'd constantly go there and that's owned by some expats. So foreigners came in, they're, cra- they're brewing, you know, kind of that American style craft beer of crazy flavors. Uh, they were one of the first to do sours. So they were doing, I think, lacto based sours. So they're using the yeast to make the sour funky flavors uh, instead of like uh, Brettanomyces or oak foders. So they would make these very tart sour beers and they, they were great because they had a watermelon flavor. They had a lychee flavor, like any fruit they could get their hands on, they'd make a variation of. Uh, those guys are super nice. Um, other than that, there are two other big ones and I'm forgetting their name. I should have remembered it, but uh, two other big ones. Those are just brewers in Taipei though. Uh, and they were all pretty good, but they were out of my district. So I didn't go drinking there very much. Uh, most of the good brewery breweries, they don't really have them in Taipei. You'd have to go to like the kind of the outskirts of cities to find the cheap land where they could buy a brewery that's big enough to have a tasting room. Uh, otherwise, most of the places are little tiny bars that you can just kind of file into, have a seat at the counter and talk to the bartender and, you know, just drink some good craft beer the whole, the whole night. So is McKellar in that region or not? Yeah, McKellar is actually, McKellar Taipei uh, is up north of where I was. And it's off the same... Uh, Green Line is what it was called. Uh, it's about 10 kilometers uh, north of me along the river, which oh. I know this because this would be my after, uh, after run bike back was 10 kilometers while slightly inebriated. Uh, but yeah, it was, a, it was a quick ride up and they're up and I forgot what the, the district is, but it's an old town district. Basically it's one of the original like colonial era uh, buildings. And so that's one of the cool things about my Keller bars is normally it's not just like propped up in a, in, you know, at a, like a, you know, a strip mall or something like that. It's not, it's not some boring place. It's like some building with some story to it. Uh, the Taipei one is great. Yeah. It's this old building. It's got three floors. You go downstairs, you, you do the chit chat with the bartender or just kind of sit, you know, at a, de- at a table or you can go upstairs and do a sit down, like more relaxed. They've got food that they serve, which McKellar bars tend to always have some pretty good food. Yep. Uh, and then the third store, uh, third story has always been closed, but it's meant for like special occasions, uh, right. much like, like the San Francisco's basement. Like it's, they've got refrigerators and they can do a, a good party up there. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know what happened to, to, well, what's going to happen to me, Keller, San Francisco. I don't know if they're going to reopen or not after the whole yeah. thing. LA shut down. Can hope. Yeah, I heard. Yeah. A lot of them are shutting down. Yeah. Now, well, Oakland, Oakland shut down way before COVID, but. Um, yeah. Yeah. Craft beer is, is not a, um, super, uh, I guess, stable business to be in. I guess it depends. Um, because, uh, I would say that a lot of people are drinking more, not necessarily beer, but drinking more alcohol than before for different oh, yeah. reasons during the pandemic. But I was listening to another pod, beer podcast one of the, it's not a, it, it is a microbrewery here in Chicago, but they, they, they might even be like a nanobrewery. They have like three different restaurant brew bars. Mm. And in his, like, I think it, it depends on the approach they took with COVID. So I think um, beer delivery is huge. 
So I think if from the beginning you, you say, you know what, I deliver beer and food, or if I didn't, I couldn't do beer to go, now I can, or if I can do growlers and crowlers, now yeah. I can. Those that kind of like went through the motions, I think they're okay. Others, I don't know, right? And I yeah. So you're saying the ones that like adapted to the scenario changing. They're like, we can sell you stuff still. Like I they're still quickly it. adapted. Uh, yeah. They were even talking about like how they had to let some people go, but now they're already getting those people back because they're yes. like, we, we need people, which is, which is yeah. a good sign, right? Yeah, that's super good, yeah. I like, I mean, this pandemic thing, it's going to come up now in this podcast, but yeah, the, it's kind of a good thing. I mean, a lot of people had to transition and change and those I think who truly loved their craft probably put in the effort to, you know, quickly adapt to make sure that people can still purchase, you know, and still keep the, you know, the economy going for that little business. And those that kind of hemmed and hawed and kind of, you know, belched and moaned, probably, yeah. yeah. Quick, it was great. Yeah, yeah, everything. It's a, it's a tough market. Oh. And in Taipei, what kind of beer do people drink there usually? Yeah, so mostly Belgian. Belgian beers were where the beginning of craft beer in Taiwan kind of started. The home brewing scene is kind of a newer thing, I want to say, within like only the last 10, 15 years. You know, like in the U.S. in the 70s is when the home brew scene kind of started. And you can see that as Sam Adams and some now mega brew, breweries were kind of part of that scene back in the day. Um, but And you can see a lot of home brewers turned into business owners, right? Like Alpine, I think, and Arizona Wilderness were both people that were home brewers that just like, we're going to open up and it's going to be delicious and great. Uh, and kind of that's McKellar's story too, but that's Copenhagen. Uh, but yeah, in Taiwan, they don't have a big homebrew scene. So a lot of it's been imported beers. And what's good is they, they import good beers. You know, uh, I can find a Roquefort, right? The six, eight, and 10 at the market at the standard, like it's the kind of the expensive market, right? The equivalent of like a Trader Joe's or, a, or Mother's Market in the US. And they have them for like $3 a bottle, which is crazy. $3 US a bottle for a Roquefort 10, which is easily a $9, $10 bottle here in the US. Yep. And this is all because of taxes and tariffs. You know, so they don't get taxed or tariffed very much uh, bringing in beer from Belgium. I think there might not be any, I don't know, but it's significantly less to buy any Belgian beer in Taiwan. And there's tons of Belgian beer bars there. Uh, that, was, that was their start. And because I guess the U.S. market, the beers are really expensive from the U.S. They just, they're not as cheap, nowhere near as much. And then there's the expats in Taiwan that basically kind of brought their experience of, you know, beer remote, you know, in other countries, they brought it to Taiwan and then they're sharing. So that's kind of like the 23, what I mentioned, these are foreigners who came in that they're like, Hey, we really like this craft beer. We think locals will like it too. And last I remember, I mean, their bar was packed every weekend. So they're, they're doing something right. That's good. And the weather there is really hot. Yeah. Hot and humid, hot and humid. The only time I could wear a sport coat would be in December, like the dead of December, January, and like for one day, and I'd still get sweaty. And the rest of the year, it's all like that, uh, that really nice polyester material, quick dry stuff. So what is the, the non-craft, the, the go-to beer there? The non-craft beer would be Taiwan beer, and it's still good. Uh, avoid the Taiwan beer like flavors, unless you really want to drink a 2% alcohol mango or lychee flavor juice. Um, <laughs> It's basically, I hate to say, it's basically marketed for kids, it seems. Like it's low alcohol and it's sugar. Um, it's not tasty, in my opinion, but it's still good. I mean, it's really nice to go to 7-Eleven. The laws are different. So I'd go to 7-Eleven, I'd buy a Taiwan beer for about a dollar US and I'd walk out and just start drinking it. Uh, on some of my runs I would do, I, would, I did a 16 kilometer run, I remember, and I stopped halfway, went to the market and I'd just get a beer and it was raining out. It was just torrential downpour. So I just sat under a bridge drinking a beer and no worry about, you know, the similar in the U.S. you would get roused by a police officer pretty quick, or at least you'd be afraid of it. Uh, just not having that fear is kind of nice. And, you know, then continue my run. Sounds like fun. Uh, the best one local, though, if you do go there, that's the one is Taiwan. It is still Taiwan beer, but it's called Taiwan beer 18 days. It's, it's a beer that they're not allowed to sell after 18 days of the, the brew time. And it's, it's phenomenally good. Uh, last time I was in Chicago, they had the opposite of this. And we went to the Globe or Pub. Yep. That, do I have that right? Yeah. yeah after ThoughtCon. <laughs> yeah, we were, doing it, we were doing it every year. And I was laughing because every year they had Taiwan beer for no reason at all. This random 
Globe, maybe it's Globe Pub. So I mean, they were just buying beers from any country in the world. So they bought a beer from Taiwan. It's Taiwan beer. The first year it was great. The next year I went, it tasted like it was a year old. Maybe it was. <laughs> it probably was. It's probably that same case, that same order. Yep. It does not age well. Not bad, but not good. Yeah. Tastes like metallic. Yeah. What. Um, and I wanted to bring up a little bit of Tokyo as well. Apparently you went to a festival or something there, or you just oh, yeah. had some craft beer. Tell us. I went, I went to Tokyo. Yeah, when I was in Taiwan, I made sure to travel a little bit in Asia because it's cheaper. Um, so it was a little quick hop to Thailand. I went to McKellar Taipei, a little quick hop to Singapore. I went to McKellar Singapore. You know, I'm doing the definitely McKellar world tour of Southeast Asia. And I went to Tokyo, but McKellar to Tokyo was closed. It was an in-between gap, right? They closed for about a year or two, and then they reopened recently. Oh, actually a few years ago now. They reopened recently in this beautiful old building. But when I went, they didn't have any McKellar bar, so I was kind of bummed. I ended up going to a, a festival, yeah, because I looked on McKellar Tokyo's Instagram or something, and they said they were going to have their pop-up at this beer festival. So I dragged my friends over were there with me, and we jumped on the subway and ran over to some other part of Tokyo. I'm not sure where area, but we ended up, yeah, going to a cool beer festival. And beer and food festivals are fantastic, especially in Asia, because you're not, yeah, you know, they're they're... They're well-known, most Asian countries are well-known for snack foods. So you can always go out to a market or like a stall and get like, you know, a yakitori stick, like some chicken, some protein, not just pretzels and cheeses. Yeah. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with those, but, you know, if you're watching your weight. <laughs> uh, if you're having some but, beer, right? Yeah. If you're having beer, no need to add carbs to your carbs. Yeah, yeah I met, yeah, I met with the, the guy who, I think he's part owner or something like that. He's always referenced in McKellar Tokyo stuff. I think he's Hamilton. Uh, super nice guy, super cool. Uh, yeah, I chit chatted with him and drank nice beers. Uh, we ended up that night at a uh, another craft beer place, uh, Dogfish. Right, they had two locations, and what was funny is that night. At the end of that night, I've already had a few drinks, and my friends are with me, and we're we're at a place, and and I really like one of my favorite beers is McKellar's uh, Black Hole. Right, I think it's a ten to fifteen percent alcohol. It might be fifteen percent alcohol stout. Uh, I'm a big fan of heavy alcohol stouts, like drinking a port wine or a you know, shot of rum, but you're having a whole glass. Um, and I, and I, I didn't, I knew I'd had drank too much, so I didn't want to drink this 15% alcohol beer. So, but I, the only other beer they had on tap was some 4% like stout. The only other stout I should say they had was a 4% stout. The rest were IPAs and high alcohol or whatever normal stuff. And I asked the bartender there and I think it was Shibuya. Um, I said, Hey, can you pour me? half the black hole and half this other kind of like a light dark beer imagine it like a guinness but it was uh not nitro it was carbonated with co2 so it wasn't i wasn't mixing this, the gases but i said to pour both and the guy actually outright refused he said i will not pour both of these beers in one glass for you uh and he said uh, we kind of go back for a bit and we try to figure out and i tell i try to i try to use the like don't you know who i am like i know how to brew beer like i can mix beers like i know what i'm doing and it's, it's true it's, it's true is, is that flavors to me don't matter it's just what's the outcome right what's the end product i'd had black hole and i had had that other stout i wanted to see what they were together like it's all about that experience for me and i ended up uh he ended up uh giving me a consolation prize where he gave me a very large glass and then he filled up two smaller glasses one of each beer and he charged me for both of smaller glasses and I said, that's perfect. It's exactly what I wanted. So I just poured them both right in front of them. Like, like he's like, ah, aghast at me for mixing the beers. And I drank it and I said, it tasted great. So, and it was, it's exactly what I wanted. I wanted about an 8% alcohol beer, not a, you know, 50% bomb, like to, your, to my face after an entire evening of already drinking enough. Yeah. You want to kind of enjoy that drink and maybe keep remember. Going. Yeah. Remember the rest of the night. Well, the name of the place is Dogfish, you said. I'm going to put I think it that Dogfish? I think it was Dogfish. That's the, um, that's the big one from the U.S. Dogfish Head. Okay. Yeah, Dogfish Head, yeah. Okay. I didn't know they had a bar in, in Tokyo. That's cool. They, I believe they have two. Yeah. Oh, nice. I'll, I'll yeah, look at it put on the show, show yeah. and stuff. Yeah, the good old uh, punk, punk beer brewer. Well, that's Brewdog. That's their whole thing. Oh, no, sorry. Then I'm not, it's not Dogfish. It's Brewdog. That's what I meant. Yeah, Brewdog. Brewdog. Okay. Sorry, I've been drinking. This too hard. It is working. That's fine. No, that's good. It affects, it affects the memory. Good. Yeah, Brewdog, I've been to the one in... Oh, yeah. 
No, Shibuya is where Mikela is. Where, where's the Rapongi? 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 Okay. Yeah. Maybe that's the one I went to. And maybe I'm confusing that because Shibuya. Kind of like, almost like in a corner, like going down the street. Yeah, like, yeah I, I went there for a beer. I was there for like, I don't know, 18 yeah. hours. I'm like, I need to go to Mikela. I need to go to Brew Dog. So yeah. I went to Brew Dog first and then I walked my way there. So I had like a couple beers at each. Yeah, it's quite one of the nice things about, you know, I guess our work and traveling. Anytime you end up traveling, you're just like, oh, I'm only going to be here for two days. That's, I, I have an itinerary already. Yeah. Or <laughs> I said, stop over in Tokyo for yeah. 24. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll spend 18 of those 24 hours. Yeah. Get a good beer. Yeah, we can get things done. Yeah, especially for conferences. It's a quick side story. Conferences are actually in craft beer, kind of where they started for me. That's where kind of like... Like I said, like I'd, I'd had craft beer just because you run into it, but that's when it took off for me was I was doing con the conference circuit and I ended up in uh, Gurkhan. I think that's Michigan, right? Yeah. 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 Not far, not from far from you. I took the train yeah. from Chicago. In fact, Grand Rapids. Yeah. Yeah. Grand Rapids. Yep. I took the train from Chicago to Grand Rapids cause I'm bad at ma at maps. And I thought I, I thought you had to take a flight and they're like, no, it's right there. You take a train. I'm like, Oh, okay. So I, yeah, I took the train over and I remember, yeah, I, did Gurkhan, I did the talk, and I was just didn't, I just wanted to eat something, and everything just looked like junk, like, you know, you know, fast food, American Chinese food, you know, hot dogs, I'm like, ah, and I find, look at my Google Maps, and I find a beer, beer pub place, and I ate there, and it was phenomenally good food, it was great, just sandwiches, right, but they were really good sandwiches, and it was really good beer mixed with it, and I remember that was the, that was the event, I don't remember the location I ate at, I don't even know what that brew pub was, but. Mystery. I, <laughs> yeah. Ever since then, this mysterious brew pub, I was like, this is, I'm always at conferences. I'm always targeting brew pubs and bars to eat at because the food's just going to be better. Yeah. And it's even true today. I haven't been to a conference in a while, but I'd still prefer to go to a, a craft beer place because I tend to see that their food is, is higher, higher quality. Or they pay attention, right? The same way they pay attention to beer, they tend to pay yeah. attention to food or they, even if they're not paying, like, even if they don't have like an extensive menu, they will have like something like sausage or like some like oh, a yeah. so like there's a oh. there's a brewery here in Chicago focused like in German style beers called Dovetail. That's the thing, right? You go there, they're like, do you have food? They're like, no, but they just point it's like the the small Mikeller bar in Copenhagen that has mm -hmm. like some dried sausages and something else. That's what they have. They have like uh, pretzels, fresh baked pretzels and sausage from uh, the Paulina market, which is oh, nice. Yeah. So that's all they have. Like if you want some food here, if not, you can order in or bring in whatever. That's, that's all good. Yep. Super good. Yeah. So speaking of conferences, when we used to go to those, I think that's when you and I started drinking beers together. I'm like, oh, you like beer. You're like, oh, you like beer. Right? Should hang yeah. out. From across uh, the room, we're like, what are you holding? Is that good beer? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I remember going with you, escaping Torcon a few years ago to go to Aosmith in San Diego. Yep. That's yep. one of the places that I really like in terms of beers. They make really good, like their stouts are really good. Like they make really good beers all, all yeah. around. Um, yeah, their series, the, the, that Anvil series, what is that one called? The, the really good stouts that are aged. Yeah, that's what uh, I remember. I forget, Speedway, that's what it Speedway, is, yeah. Speedway Stouts. I apologize to the listeners. I'm really trying to recollect like four, four years ago gap of like not particularly drinking all that much, especially drinking in foreign countries. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, the, yeah, Speedway Stout is phenomenal. Um, yeah, Ailsmith, San Diego is, is just absurd. I mean, I lived in the desert. I was an hour long drive to San Diego and I'd still make weekend trips, you know, just to go to San Diego, drink with beer, you know, hacker friends outside of tour content events like that. But definitely when you come to San Diego for events like TourCon, you've got to yeah, go to Alesmith, go to the McKellar San Diego. The, um, uh, they don't have much food there. I don't think if they've added it. But Alesmith's got food, I think. I mean, Alesmith has their, their, their stave room, right? The hidden oh, yeah. room. That's the name, yeah. It's got, the, it's got all the aged beers there. It's so good. Uh, and yeah, there's just tons. It's, 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 you can throw a rock and hit a brewery with good beer. Uh, Ballast Point was another one. We ended up there, right? We ended up there and it was like, I think it was the first, that was, now they have one in Chicago that actually just reopened, which is good. Uh, but yeah, it was like, you got the flights, they were super like, they pour, like the pours are good. It's a decent price. Food, yep. you can get like fish tacos if you're into 
those kinds. I think of I remember yeah, they're like duck tacos or something when we went. Yeah. And they had a a beer which I don't think they continued to make, and maybe they got in trouble because they called it Polish champagne. And it was just a super. It was a two point five percent alcohol, very effervescent, high carbonation beer. That was that was by far. I remember the beer that I remember from that trip. Nice. I was like, yeah, that I was think good. The one I remember from that trip was a Scotch Bonnet IPA. Ooh. It's pretty spicy. It was good, but it was one of those where like, yeah, this is in your R and D for a reason. Not a yeah. lot. Some people are gonna enjoy it. Uh, yeah, I I enjoyed it, but. Maybe not the whole pint. Eventually, yeah. it's not not that great. Yep. But speaking of having beers at, at events, right? We talked in the show before about the Hacker Bottle Share uh, yeah. thing, but apparently you have a thing or two to do with that. So yeah, tell us how everything started even before that happened. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it started. Um, I wonder what do you know what year the official first official one was? I could look it up. I think I want to say it was the first year of Disconnect Camp being a public camp but years prior like i said you know just southern california person i'd have craft beers and what happened is me and my friends would come from southern california to vegas for defcon and b-sides and all those events and we'd bring beers from california we and our whole plan was we'd have fancy beer hour uh and we would just do this on the floor right we'd go to talks or events and we just walk around with a nice 320 ounce or 750 milliliter like beer and pour pour a little bit you know from a glass to each other we'd share we'd run into random people that might want to try some as well one year we actually ran into two other people that were doing the same thing they were just walking around with big growlers of beer or not growlers but you know the 750 bombers and we were just oh here try try uh it was sort of it was just a thing that i i did um and I know that the first bottle share year was the first year of Disconnect Camp being a public event is because I bought a ton of beer for Disconnect Camp and I had a ton of beer left over. So I was telling a friend, I'm like, hey, I'm going to do a thing at DEF CON where I'm going to drink these extra beers. I got like 20 bombers, right? Like, I'm not going to drink all those myself. I'm like, I'd rather share than, you know, just sit, have these slowly be drank over, you know, a couple of weeks or something. But I, I ended up uh, saying I was just going to share them, and it was Enzo specifically who used to do the for a short while. I think he won and also ran the beer cooling contest in DefCon. For those that didn't know, his little background. Uh, but yeah, I ended up telling him about it, and he said, "Why don't you do a bottle share?" He's like, "Why are you giving everybody free beer? That's dumb." He's like, "Just get a room and do a bottle share. Everybody will bring you beer." And then this suddenly this made much more sense. Uh, so I started the invite out, and it turns out that works really well. You know, send the invite out. We had already talked by then, so I got you the info handful of other people. And I think the first year was 20 or 30 people, uh, you know, cobbled together in a smaller hotel room with that reeked of pizza. I remember. Was it Valley's, right? I think it was Valley's. Uh, if it is the one at Valley's, and I think I'm pretty sure it is. The email yeah. says 2015. All right. Yeah. It's 2015. So right. Yeah. Five years ago. Yep. Cause I did two or three. I skipped a year because I was in Asia. Yeah. And I came back for it one time and now this year is COVID year. So yeah, sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, also, I mean, to note like Irish that runs the, uh, the other bottle shares as well. He kind of took it and ran when I was, went to Asia cause I couldn't really run it. I said, who wants to do it? And Irish stepped up. So Irish kind of took it over. Something you're not going to be there, right? Like, yeah. Hey. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to like ship you guys beers and just have you drink it and be like, Oh, nobody sent me back samples. I expect yeah. like one ounce, one ounce pours back in the mail. Well, but yet, tag you on that's, that's yeah. but those those events became my highlight of defcon every year because it's well for me running the event it's just four hours to six hours of just intense um flavors i'd say drinking getting drunk but that's a side effect well, it's <laughs> good just don't if you run into rob into a bottle share don't get him to don't ask, don't ask him to make you a rum and coke oh yeah you know, are you going to say the story or am I? <laughs> I? I think I tried to kick it. It was the first year. I tried to kick the first person out. Yeah. Uh, the the second person who asked for it was supposedly like, you know, like insider, like kind of know him. Like, I'll be nice. But what I ended up doing, I had drank enough already. I took the bar rag and I just squeezed it into a cup and I hand, handed it to him and he took off with it and he was very happy with it. I was like, why? <laughs> why are you drinking? Uh, so obviously it didn't matter what I had served him. Uh, de Vegas, I know. Yeah, there, there was a lot of things. There were a lot of interlopers, I, people that weren't like really part of the bottle share group showing up that year. That's why I kind of had some I think, negative. Yeah, I remember having like a couple parties like in the same hallway type of things. Yeah, so, people just crossed over. Walking around, yeah. 
Yeah, which is fun. I mean, that's back to Def Con Alexis Park years, right? In room parties where you just pop out of one room, go to the other. I remember there was a whiskey share across the room one year from the bottle share. So I was in the bottle share all night and I found out there was a whiskey share. So I just jumped over there and it was somebody else I knew. So we just like, I, I didn't have any whiskey because I was like, nah, I'm already toasted. <laughs> so, but I chatted with them and I jumped back to the bottle share. Yeah, that's... That's danger, danger zone. Yeah, that's a key thing about drinking a lot is you have to be in control. Yep, that's true. Uh, yep. There's some good stories from those bottle shares. I think my favorite quote, we can summarize it all up, is somebody saying, I think it was Pappy, you said, uh, I've never been so drunk on so many little beers. It's <laughs> perfect. Yeah, Unless you're going yeah. uh, well, to... I want to have some beers with them. Um, yeah. Maybe oh, when I go back to LA, Orange County. Um, yeah. Well, SparkleCon, uh, it was the last event I was, I was actually surprisingly able to get away with going to SparkleCon this year. And it, there's tons of craft beer there. So it ends up being, once again, a little craft beer party. Nice. Some people end up at, I think, the brewery, which is in Fullerton area. And they've yeah. got their super bombers. They've got both heavy stouts and heavy sours. Yeah. So. And a bottle of Tums. Yeah. They should just have the Tums beer by yeah. now. I, I love their beers, man. But yeah, I'm happy there's... They're canning some, but yeah, I have bombers that I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do with this. Yeah, I still have, I think I have, one beer. I, have, I have four bottles of various Black Tuesdays and they're all from 2015, 2016. So they're all well-aged now. And I'm just like, I don't know. You can't drink those alone. That's what I'll tell you. I tried. I think uh, I said before, there's, you can find a video somewhere on the internet. There's a dude that pounds one entire bottle of Black Tuesday. Yep. That, that's not fun. I cannot you, say that it's fun. I, the most I've been drinking of Black Tuesday is I, I poured the Black Tuesday. And in my mind, I'd already been drinking a little bit that night. And my mind was like, I really want some chocolate chip cookies and a stout. And I opened a Black Tuesday. I poured my wife a glass and I drank the rest of the bottle. And I started making cookies chocolate chip cookies um and that's about it i woke up the next morning and i had a headache and on my mind was chocolate chip cookies and i walked out to my kitchen and there's a pile of chocolate chip cookies my wife filled me in on the rest of the story she said i got distracted i started like the kitchen aid i got distracted and did something else and you know it was probably drinking in the in the bar area and then like came back and she like caught the kitchen aid had been running for like 30 minutes just like churning butter uh, she just finished making the, the cookies for me <laughs> and, and then I passed out. So she's, she's an awesome person to put up with me and put up with me acting like that. But it was fantastic. I woke up the next day and there's cookies. I think there's Black Tuesday as well in the cookie batter. I just don't, I don't know how much. That's I what I wanted to say, but I didn't. Well, I don't, sure. no. maybe I'll try that one of these days. They were sea salt, sea salt dark, dark chocolate cookies. Okay. It's a good base. It's a great base for the recipe, but I can never imagine how much Black Tuesday I poured into that mix and <laughs> what made the magic. But yeah. yeah, yeah, the recipe definitely calls for drinking a bottle while you try to cook it. That's all I'm going to recommend. Yeah. So speaking of bottle shares, hmm. obviously, like you can Google this, and I'm pretty sure you, you probably even somewhere in your website has something about that. But um, I remember your. I've been to many bottle shares, but I think you were one of the first ones saying, these are the rules. These are the, not the rules, but do's and don'ts of bottle shares. Oh yeah. What, what, do, you, what, what do you recommend for do's and don'ts? In yeah, you can get away with the bottle share by telling your friends to just show up. But once you get more than five friends showing up, you're gonna start with logistic issues and that's when you kind of have to add these basic rules. Um, I don't I don't have it offhand, but this is on the bottle share website, which I'd set up websites for the bottle shares where I'd like collect your email address and it's all my code. So I'm not like sharing it with some third party like Facebook app or something. And uh, yeah, so I protect some privacy there. But the uh, yeah, I, ran, I wrote all this code myself and part of it is I explained like number one rule is, you know, you have to bring a bottle of something to share that's worth sharing, right? And part of the bottle share is kind of what we mentioned to before, like the internet, the laws for selling alcohol between borders is complicated. Even in the US between states, sometimes you can't get a beer in a certain state because of distribution laws or the you know, distribution isn't big enough. Uh, there's a whole discussion there, but the, 
bottle share would bring people from all over the United States, if not all over the world. And all I'd ask is bring something local, right? It has to be something from your area, which means somebody else, you know, people will be trying new different types of beers. Uh, people would show up with the 12 packs of Corona saying, I brought tons of beer. I'm like, that's not the point. You know, the point is you bring one beer. Uh, I even break this rule. You bring one beer is all I ask anybody to bring, which is enough for everybody to share. Uh, you can get five or six shares off that one beer. Uh, and ideally bring something local or hard for people to find or something you personally really like that, you know, it's nice if you like Ballast Point, you know, grapefruit sculpin, it's a delicious beer, but that's pretty much everywhere now. You know, same as Bell's Two-Hearted. I drank it first, I think, at Bottle Shares, but now it's pretty much everywhere. Uh, Bell's got wide distribution. Um, so that's kind of like the number one rule is, you know, bring something good, uh, you know, and Corona doesn't count. Uh, second rule is, uh, you know, only open your bottle, right? And that was a part, there was a rule that came from, unfortunately, my, my generic rule is don't make me make more rules. Uh, that's always my final rule. And that's because every other rule has been created by somebody. So rule number two is don't open a bottle that's not yours. Uh, and that was a problem because the first year we did it, people would just go through and they rummage through the pile of the ice chest and they find some random bottle and they don't know what it is. They don't know that this is like some rare find beer that's been aged in somebody's personal cellar and they brought it to share with specific persons. And what ended up happening is you know, people would just take other people's beers, beers would go missing. It's unfortunate, but it happens. Um, so I made the rule where, yeah, you can only open your bottle. Uh, and the whole point is, is you open your bottle to share with people. And that opens a discussion between you and those people you're sharing with. It helps those people who are introverted and unable to social, socialize so well, kind of how I am a lot of the time, uh, helps us. Like, yeah. you have an excuse to have a discussion. And, you know, the bottle share attracts the craft beer people. So it's a discussion everybody wants to have. So it ends up becoming this really awesome environment. Uh, one of the things I did for anybody who runs bottle shares that are very large, like 10, 20, 30, I think, I don't know how the biggest one was, but it's probably 30 to 40 people was the biggest. Uh, and if you do that, you'd put stickers. I would make people put stickers and sign their initials on their cup as well as on their bottle. So I put like a sticker on the cap of the bottle and a sticker on their cup. And somebody has to kind of run the bar and people would show up with their cup with their signature and say, I need this bottle. And, you know, then the bartender can kind of look back, compare the signatures and pull the correct bottle. Nice. So there needs to be something like that. I don't remember the rest of the rules. Probably, you know, don't be a dick and, you know, definitely don't make me make more rules. Uh, I forget what other rules anybody broke was. No, I think this is good. I think it covers most of the successful bottle share. Yeah. And usually I know like Vegas is Vegas. And, and I think I remember going to bottle shares with you at Torcon, besides San Francisco, Vegas, and here in Chicago which we were lucky to find a spot that would allow us to do that. Uh, that place that no longer exists, unfortunately. Yeah, it's yeah. Hopefully it's not our fault. Yeah, it, no, it was not our fault. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, how long should one plan for a bottle share? Uh, for attending a bottle share, depends really how much you want to drink, you know. Um, or for organizing for organizing one, yeah, I, I aim for them to be enough time to socialize. I kind of always said it open-ended, but I try to aim for always for like two to four hours. Uh, not the entire night, but I also not against, you know, the after hours bottle share where the, it keeps going. Uh, if you stick around to a bottle share till the end, you can keep well, going. Well, that's the problem because it keeps going, right? I, yeah. I would say like four hours. And yeah. Most of the ones that I've been, they ran over, right? I like we live in a place that don't that doesn't have a really decent like common area, like a party room, whatever. But we have what we call the dungeon, which mm -hmm. is kind of like in one of the garages. They have like this small room that used to be like a uh, a warehouse of sorts, and they're like, well, if you want to rent that room, it's very cheap, whatever. And we did a, a bottle share. It's kind of sad because it's like there's no infrastructure at all. But I think I planned for like four hours, easily ran over, right? Yeah, People yeah. don't show up on time, which is fine. It's a bottle show. Yeah. But, and, yeah. and there's also like the other problem that people like, they don't show up on time because it is a bottle share, but they show up. It's like, oh, I really wanted to try, have tried that, that beer. Like, well, you should have been here before, right? With the bombers, yeah. it's easier to manage if you have like a can or a small bottle of something, something special you might be missing out. But yeah. easily we ran over the like four hour time that I, I allocated for that. 
Yeah, what you need though is you need the the egress. So that's what I meant by like they keep going on because at the four hours when the venue shuts down. So for me in Vegas, it would be me shutting down the room, saying I'm done, you know, get out. So and ten people tend to normally like gravitate in and out. So when the crowd is small, you like all right, we're out. And some people have to stay by and clean up the room. Uh, I got you know I got rooms donated to me by some very generous, very nice people who I'm not going to put them out there just because I don't want more people asking them to be nice to them. <laughs> It's more of a respect of him. Uh, but yeah, I'd get room space and clear it out at 10 o'clock or so. And that's when we'd grab the extras. Whatever extra bottles there were, we just head down and during DEF CON, head down to the floor, you know, head down to the, the space. There's still people doing stuff in Vegas and I'd share whatever bottles were left over with random people in the hallways. Uh, another place in San Francisco, I think we ended up at another bar where we might have broken some laws with open containers, but we tipped him really well and went on our way. Well, he uh, tried the beer and we're still in touch with that guy. We saw him in Copenhagen and he's a cool dude. Nice. But it was yeah. that that's why I'm kind of talking about this. There are places that you like, we, we got to go. And yep. like, but we have this bottle. It's like, we got to go. Let's clean shit up and yep. we'll find a place. And we're like, we showed up at the bar and like, hey, I know this is not might not be cool but yeah um we have this like hold on and then we hang out and have the beer yep. it was good yep. yeah that's it what was it is. a little weird rolling into the bar with a pelican case with like stickers of all beers but it, yeah it's okay pulling out beers from like knapsacks and like hiding them like yeah like we've got this one and this one <laughs> like which one like we'll share with you just a little wink wink nudge like the bartender like we'll share with you like if you just let us open and we'll leave a nice tip and be on our way but, yeah Fun yeah that's a it's cool stuff yeah the, by far though the bottle share the best part was is, is being able to break down those issues with uh distribution where you can try beers that's yep. the coolest thing about it is you get to try beers from all over. And if you do it at conferences and events, that's why it works so well is because people were traveling already and they come over and enjoy it. And then, but you got to have a cutoff and then head out to the next bar and have some more drinks and move on. Yeah. I remember, I think it was the first bottle show, first or second at Bally's. Um, yeah. I remember like we're done. I had to be done. I had other things to do and then had some pizza. And also that was good, right? You bought the pizza, but also, since you were paying for the room and the food, right? Chip in, right? Give yep. whatever, like, what you ask, like give whatever you feel like giving, right? Which is very yep. generous of you. But like, if you, if people are mindful, it's like, other than bringing beer, there is a cost associated to like the room and- Yeah, other room, stuff, the food, right? yeah. Yeah, room, food, cups, what have you, right? Um, so keep that in mind as well as an attendee and or organizer of a bottle share. Yeah. Yeah. Food is a requirement. I think for bottle shares, you do not want to send a room full of a dozen people that have just been drinking a couple of bombers each of high quality beer to, to no. the world, you know, uh, and it keeps people there. It keeps people, you know, able to keep going. Pizza, pizza is a great one, you know, grease and, and, and paste your bread. Uh, we ended up with burgers last time. Cause again, my awesome wife went out and rescued us because the pizza man like ditched us. Uh, the best place though, and again, like I said before, Taipei is great because in Asia is great because you start drinking, you can just pop off on the street. Yep. But the best place that was Copenhagen. That was like a top week for me, right? <laughs> where we went off to drink beer and we're every place, almost every, I don't think I ever had a bad meal there in Copenhagen. Yeah, we went to the 7-Eleven and bought like 7-Eleven like junk sandwich, uh, but they had like ginger beer and like had really good food. I missed that. Yeah. yeah, we had time. Yeah, we had a great time there. Like, if shit still like happens, hopefully 2021, if you yeah. go to the Mikeller Beer Festival, make sure you have John's hot dog. That's the best hot dog ever. Yeah, the hot dogs. Awesome. Yeah, the, I think we, I remember the ramen. The ramen was so oh, good. Yeah, we, yeah, we went to the Mikeller. Yeah, ramen tobito. Ramen place that was so good. Yeah, that was that was super good. Uh, I forgot where else I ended up eating at up there, but yeah, it was like I said, every place I went was fantastically good. Uh, another one again, it's just because you're kind of following the craft beer stuff. Yeah. Uh, the um, the other one too is is uh, McKellar Thai, uh, the Bangkok in Thailand. If you didn't know, have you been there or not? I have not been there, but I know they have like a it's a Michelin, Michelin star restaurant yeah. or something. Michelin star chef upstairs, and he just I runs know. a runs a part time kind of like a part time restaurant is what I want to call it. Like you don't get to just show up. 
right? You get to make reservations and have times and it's very high end. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what's nice is you can just go to the bar and order kind of off their menu. That's the same, it's the same um, kitchen. Oh, so it's, so he makes these really fantastic side dishes there. So I strongly recommend that. Hopefully they're still open, but it's, it's in a weird place. It's like in this neighborhood. So it's super sketchy to get there, but it's this mansion. Basically you walk into a mansion, the bottom floor is a bar, second floor is a restaurant. And I think in the shed slash garage is a bottle shop. So it's, it's great. It's as if like a, a craft beer man just basically went crazy and just churned a mansion into everything beer. <laughs> Oh, it must be good to do that. And we were talking a little bit about running and the running club and Keller and stuff like that. Um, So either you drink beer and you run or you stop drinking beer and you don't run. Is that, is that binary or what's your your balance, balance uh, type of. So you got me into the running club. I have to give you that like little, you know, nod and appreciation because it was running was something I used to do. Um, you know, when I was in my twenties and I lived alone, I just kind of ran as a thing to do. I'd run a mile or two and didn't think much of it. It was just me trying to get some exercise. Um, it's my recommended, you know, preferred method of exercise. Uh, my peak of my running career before I was really doing, I was, wasn't even doing craft beer yet. It was, I did a triathlon. I was like, Oh, cool. I did that. And it's funny is right after I did that, I checked it off my list and never went back to running again. <laughs> I just kind of like, petered off and just didn't care anymore because I felt, you know, triathlon was a pretty big accomplishment. Yeah. Mind you, this was just a sprint triathlon. Uh, nothing like what you probably experienced. It's not a, it's not an Ironman. But still, it's, it's, it's tough. It was, it was three hours. Yeah. And my swimming sucked. I pretty much almost drowned, but uh, I, I, I had a total of 60 minutes swimming training for, for the triathlon to swim a quarter mile total distance. Yeah. Uh, but of the biking and the running, I was doing great. But yeah, the, what ended up happening was, yeah, we were at TourCon, I think, and you mentioned you were doing this running club. And I was like, and we were talking about craft beer. And then you mentioned this running club. And I got just this light bulb in my head clicked. And I was like, I really like these things. And that's when I kind of, you know, joined the McKellar Running Club, you know, being an official, unofficial chapter, because they're super awesome people. They're like, whatever. I'm like, I told you them. Myself, official. You were the one man chapter. Yeah, I was a one man chapter. I was, I was a couple one man's chapters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Joshua Tree just had to shut down. But yeah, I was living in Joshua Tree. I was like, hey, can I, I emailed Soren, who's the president of the club. And I was like, Hey, can I be a, you know, can I do a chapter out here? And I told him the truth. I'm like, it's probably just going to be me in the desert. I said, if I can get some other people, which occasionally I would, uh, anybody said, cool, no problem. So like I went out and got the stuff and technically Sam's was the, uh, the source of the beer. And I would just basically buy a bottle of beer to, yeah. to drink either alone or with a friend who would run with me and we'd run the trails in Joshua tree. So we'd run national park trails nice. you know, three to five, three to five miles not bad uh and then we get back and we just drink using like in my backyard like in the desert basically and just hang out and drink and chit chat and that's basically what is this running social drinking club uh but yeah after after that yeah you basically got me turned back onto that and that's also when i kind of got more into mckeller like a little more and that's when the bottle shares kind of i think that predated the bottle shares right or was that after the first year of bottle shares? i think it was after yeah but I think that was when McKellar first like clicked on to me. It was like, oh, this guy is really making a lot of unique stuff and phenomenal beers. Yep. yep. And then even like in, at one of the DATCONs, we did a run because it happened mm-hmm. to be the first Saturday. Yep. Um, that was fun. But to run in Vegas, you have to run at 6 a.m. Yeah, and it's uh, it's an adventure, right? It's you run into drunk people, you run into you run into strippers, you yeah. run into other runners, and yeah. it's like a shit show. It's- yeah, it's it's weird. It's it's neat to go run down the strip with nobody else around, but I do remember the smell, like something in the air. I think the cleaning, like, or maybe it was the despair and like the the smell of failure just burned my lungs after that run. You can smell, like, especially in the summertime, right? People puke during the night. Yeah. Oh. It's cooks. So you're yeah. running and suddenly you're like, oh, no, something happened yeah. around here. It's like, no. Oh. But yeah, yeah, we had beer at seven and it was good. And then we started a day that was decent. Oh, yeah. We had beers afterwards. I remember. Yeah. Because <laughs> I had beers in the fridge. Like, let's go up. It was probably yeah. a, a goes or something light because yeah. it was still 7 a.m. Yeah. And then so go off and have a day. Saturday, no, Saturday, yeah. So Saturday, yeah. Yep. Start the day right with a 
pseudo mimosa, I guess. Yeah, like a beer mosa. Yeah, that's the best. A beer mosa, very good. Yep. Yeah, go yeah. Ahead. Vegas would have been. Yeah, go, go for it. I was gonna say Vegas is probably like the worst place to run. I've run in a lot of hot places. I was even training in the desert because I lived in Joshua Tree, which is California desert, and it was Vegas was still somehow worse. But running in Taipei, when you add humidity to the heat, is this other exponential factor, which I learned running in Taiwan. So it is not recommended. Uh, that's what I'll say is don't run in heat and humidity, no. which is one or the other. Yeah. Because there's a difference between being hot and miserable and like, oh, I'm going to pass out right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your, your sweat no longer functions, right? The sweat to cool off your body and your core temperature no longer functions. And that's why sometimes in Taipei, it's, it's okay to stop in the middle of a run, go to 7-Eleven, get an ice cream and a, and a beer, you know, and then just continue a run when you've cooled down a little bit and just keep on going. So kind of wrapping things up a little bit, let's talk about your favorite beers. I did not check your untapped. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna trust you. I'm gonna have to go off my memory too. But my untapped is good. I'm nice about rating things. It's either five stars or no stars. I don't wanna be the guy. <laughs> I might give a four star out when I'm like, this could have been better. But yep. yeah, the favorite beers, um, yeah, jumping outside of Colorado, um, I'd say McKellar, I've got a specific favorite one that's, or two actually now. It's the Black Ink and Blood, which I can't find anymore. It was the Raspberry Stout, about 12%, I think. It was so good. It's very rich, very um, uh, rye bread-esque, things like that. But of course, impossible to find now. The other one would be the, oh, I can't even say it, the Blue Ghost Beer, Blushburgers, something like that, Blushburgers. <laughs> if you read it like an American, it's a blue always, but it's Danish, which I can't pronounce right. Uh, and that's a blueberry sour. It's phenomenal. It's so good. It's got like Pac-Man on the logo. I think it's a, it's a collaboration with Three Floyds. Okay. So uh, McKellar and Three Floyds. Um, I'm just going to go off the list. You know, the Black Tuesdays, I still have a bunch of those. Those are phenomenal. Those are like the best for me. There was, every bottle share, I'd bring a bottle because it's, it's plenty to it's go good. around. And it's it, 20. Well, yeah. Yeah, it's 20% alcohol. And there's yeah. plenty to go around and it tastes so good. It's like de- yeah. drinking like a, a drinking chocolate. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, you know, I think I mentioned before, I forget maybe on the podcast, but the uh, Orval, you know, I, I ordered a case when I came here and when it's aged, it's like my favorite. Um, and with beer and me an aged beer, I'm actually a fan of any aged beer. Uh, I'll, I'll drink what people were in Taiwan were calling like Arvin, the, the, you know, godfather of beer in Taiwan, you could call him, or at least that's what I called him was he'd pull out these bottles, 10 year old bottles. He's like, it's expired beer. Do you want it? And I'm like, heck yeah, I want it. I got like a, an original Speedway stout from like the nineties, um, like with coffee and stout. And I was like, what? And it, you drink it and it's got all the off flavors. Yeah. But at that point in time, that's when I, when I was living in Taiwan is when I was learning to learn the flavors more and be more into it where I wasn't just drinking something go, nah, I don't like it and throw it away. Yeah, I would drink something and be like, oh, what's going on here? Here's how the flavors change. And I always love, you know, drinking something to find out how the flavors changed, you know, multiple years, I guess. What are those called? The, the tiers yeah. or flights or no, elevations. Something Elevation, like that. I want to say, yeah. Or verticals. That's it. Verticals. Well, usually vertical is when you have like the different, the same beer from different years. And then you, mm-hmm. and then you yeah, same, it. same recipe. Yeah, from each year, aged yeah. more years. That's what I'm talking exactly. about. Yeah, the verticals. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, those are, yeah, I enjoy doing those because I like to see what the flavors changed over time. Yeah. Uh, and because I'm always, I'm, for me, if, as I mentioned earlier, I'm always seeking out the new thing. Yeah. I'm like, when else will I try? When, where else am I ever going to drink it? Like, if you look at my untap, it's like some 1999 Speedway Stout. It might be an early 2000 Speedway Stout, but I was like, why, why would I even have this? And you drink it and it's like, it tastes like Band-Aid and metal. But you're like, well, at least I had it. At least I know what it tastes like now. And yeah. I know that that's not what it tasted like 10 years ago, but I know. But it, it is a bad beer, but that's what happens, right? Yeah. Yeah. As long as it's not something putrid or really nasty, uh, I can tend to choke down or, you know, drink and enjoy and appreciate any, any beer, even the beers that aren't my favorite styles. You know, uh, you know, IPAs, a lot of people don't like those and they just kind of shit on them. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, you know, no, there's more to an IPA. You may be missing, you may not like an IPA with piney hops but you don't want to throw out the whole, the whole genre or style yeah. because you haven't had one with mosaic hops, right? Yeah. 
same thing with sours. You know, you don't, you might not like lactobacillus sours, but you don't know about American wilds. And those are kind of called the same thing, but they're totally different. That's what I've always been seeking with beer. So trying to go to places that give you like, not, not necessarily tasters, but like if you can do like a beer flight, right? Yeah. That's usually very helpful. And yeah. many places do that. Yeah, do the beer flights. Uh, I'd always seek out the places with the beer flights. Have five beers with lunch. It's all right. They're they're two ounces each. <laughs> you know. You try uh, all different beers. Yep. Cool. Idea. Cool. Lay, thank you so much for being here, making the yeah. time. And thank you. Yeah, you you taught me a lot about beer. We had good times having beers. So mm -hmm. thanks again. It's been great. No problem. No, thank you. No, uh, you always brought the best beers, in my opinion, and I think I still. Heck, you I mean you got me turned back into the running club, so I still always owe you one. So, it's like I said, I gotta go run with you and whenever we can travel again, so you can yeah. ask like what what's the altitude there? I don't know. Much oh yeah, I, I I'm I'm above uh, seven or eight thousand right now, and I yeah I enjoy I enjoy running. I'll, I'll take a run out for I think my my peaks were about fifteen ten fifteen kilometers at eight thousand feet. So yeah, I'm gonna need beer before and after. You can have a beer after, before, whatever. I've been trying to figure out, I wanted to do the run club up here, but there's, I haven't been able to get the motivation or find the bar that will support it. Okay. And then of course now a pandemic, but definitely next time you're up here, we'll run and whenever I can make it to Chicago, hopefully yeah, run some beers. And I think I still have a, a glass here for you. So. Okay. Eventually. Look at that. It's nice. I like that. The impossible to find middle finger. Yeah. Awesome. All right, man. Thank you very much. Thank yeah. You. you have a good one. See you. Peace.